When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Thursday Buckeye Talk, and we're just going to dork around on this one. Doug Marie, Stephen Means, and Nathan Baird. Uh, no rapid fire, Nathan. I just, it's great. Ohio State's playing really well. I just kind of wanted to do something else. So we are going to, I made up these weird rules, and we're basically going to play Coach Roulette in the Big Ten. And we are going to shuffle coaches around the Big Ten. We are going to bring in some new coaches. We are going to keep some coaches at their current spots. Obviously, this keyed by the firing of Paul Christ at Wisconsin. I'll explain the rules in a minute, Nathan. But is it okay that we are covering one of the best teams in the country and they're getting ready to play You know, a, a real conference opponent? And we're like, ah, I don't know. Let's just mess around for an hour. We need some drama for this team probably so that we can get some good conversations going again. And I think you had some on the, the rant pod we just did for Wednesday. And we'll have some good discussion for the pregame pod that we're going to do uh, for Friday. But for today, I, I think this is a good exercise. I will say, are Steven, we the, I think, are we what? Going to have a good we, one? Yeah, are we? Because I'm at the point now where I'll, I'll leave my comments for that pod. But are we really going to have a good discussion about how this Michigan State Ohio State game is going to go? No, or is that's it be the a thing. Lot like this, this game specifically is a little iffy, right? It's it's a little weird um, how much has changed so quickly for Michigan State. But next week when they are off, I think we will have some good football discussions because we're going to revisit our preseason rankings of players where the tech subscribers got involved and we did, you know, like value and specialness and all that. We're going to like redo that and see what has changed. I think we'll do some kind of, you know, mid-season awards, biggest surprises kind of stuff. So I do think it'll be a good reset. But like this game, this game is a little bit of a rough one. So we'll be back on Friday. The three of us will preview it. T-Shoe will be here. We'll do the separate gambling pod. But for today, this is what we're going to do. We have 14 Big Ten teams. You guys know that, right? We're not including USC and UCLA on this kind of stuff yet. But the idea, I didn't mean you guys. I mean everybody listening. Well, I mean maybe you guys too. 14, we all agree. There are 14 teams in the conference at Last the moment. I checked. Yes, I don't know. Who yeah. knows? At least for another year and a half. Two years, yeah. yeah. I did. I also did note, I remember, did you guys remember at Big Ten 
Media days in July, one of the things that Kevin Warren said at the lectern was he was so proud of the fact that all the head coaches were back, <laughs> that there had not been yeah. <laughs> two years coaching in a row. changes. Two years, two in, years a row. in a row. No changes. And so, then, what? yeah, like, like, little did he know. Two guys, like, didn't make it through the month, basically. So, um, so changes at Nebraska and Wisconsin. We're going to do this. These are the rules for our coaching roulette. This is not a draft. We're just going to reveal our picks simultaneously and say, well, why did you do this? Why did you do that? Here are the rules. 14 Big Ten teams. You keep three coaches in their current spot. You move three coaches that you take three current Big Ten head coaches and you put them at a different school in the Big Ten. You take three people associated with Ohio State football, current assistants, Luke Fickle, kind of a Buckeye connection, and you give them a head coaching job in the Big Ten. And then you bring in three outsiders. And this is, this was, I hope I didn't screw you guys up. I do have one of my outsiders as somebody who actually is employed in the Big Ten right now because I was getting a little iffy on some of the stuff. Just, it's sort of like anybody that doesn't fit those categories. Not an Ohio State person, not a current Big Ten head coach, like somebody else. So that's 12. And then you have two wild cards. So the last two spots, you can do whatever. It can be keep a guy in the job. It can be move. It can be an outsider. It can be another Ohio State person, however you want to do it. And again, it's not a draft. We're not competing against each other. We're just going to unveil them together to say, why did you do this? Uh, Nathan, I did start with, and I tried to do this sort of like realistically. We're putting ourselves in a box and dorking around, Buckeye talk. But I did want to think about the guys who I think are the right person for their current jobs. And I sort of started there with who should stay. I probably got to... Five-ish, six-ish, where I was pretty persuaded that the guy there now is the right guy. And again, you can't have more than five because you have three that you have three stays plus both wild card stays. That would be five. You only can keep five at the max. So that's like right. It's not like there's ten guys who you're like, oh, what up? Oh, you they couldn't do better than that guy. What do you think the number is before you say, hey, you know what? No, that's good right now. Right around that same thing you're you're thinking. I had to force myself, even with the wild cards, to make a couple of decisions to take out guys who I actually think should probably keep their job. One in particular that I think is we'll have a good discussion about, like why, who else would they get? But but also I think there's some upside to, to making a move if they had to. So yeah, I, I kind of did the same thing. My first thing was like the obvious keeps. And there were a couple of those, and then some more I talked myself into. And then the the next thing I had to do was the moves. Yeah, who are you sliding from place to place? You agree with that, Stephen? Five, six, seven stays? Yeah, the the keeps took me two minutes of my time in this. Because yeah. it was pretty it, – it, part of it is because with some of these keeps, it's like – it's not just that it's the best the program it can, could do. It's probably the best thing for that coach to do. Yeah, yeah. And so we're going to wind up doing some goofy stuff by the rules that you really wouldn't do in real life. But, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's it's October. I don't know what we're supposed to do. By the way, just to reset, here's how long the current Big Ten head coaches have been in their jobs. Kirk Ferentz is first at Iowa, 24th season. Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern in his 17th season. Third is James Franklin. It's a pretty big drop. Kirk Ferentz is the longest tenured head coach in major college football. I mean, 24 years. That is a long time by any standard. James Franklin's third at Penn State in his ninth year, which is 
you know, there's there's only two guys who've been around for more than a decade at their current schools. Um, Jim Harbaugh's fourth. How about that? Jim Harbaugh is the fourth longest tenured head coach in the Big Ten. He is in year eight. There is a tie for fifth. Guys who are in their sixth season, it's P.J. Fleck at Minnesota, Jeff Brom at Purdue, and Tom Allen at Indiana. That's five, six, seven. They're all tied. Then a tie, Ryan Day and Mike Loxley, both in their fourth seasons. Then uh, Mel Tucker is in his third season at Michigan State. Then Greg Schiano and uh, Brett Bielema, both in their second seasons at their schools. Schiano at Rutgers, Bielema at Illinois, and then, of course, um, we have Nebraska and Wisconsin. Mickey Joseph, the interim head coach at Nebraska, and Jim Leonard, the interim head coach at Wisconsin. So we're going to go school by school to do this and just unveil, and then you'll get a picture over the course of the thing, sort of what the strategy is. So let's start at Minnesota. And Nathan, what did you do with the Minnesota fighting gophers of gold? Well, this was sort of a domino effect. I had PJ Fleck vacating that for something else that we'll talk about later. So I needed to replace PJ Fleck at Minnesota. And I picked a guy who is kind of having a a good year this year, kind of coming onto the scene, but I think is going to have reason to maybe make a jump. Like if all this were really happening, I think he is at a, he's going to have to make a quick decision maybe because of where his program is going. Um, It's Jake Dickert from Washington state, which went into Wisconsin and won earlier this year. And one of the reasons I picked him was because, and this probably actually doesn't have anything to do with who Minnesota would pick necessarily, but you look through his coaching history and he spent time at North Dakota state, South Dakota and South Dakota state, Minnesota state. And he went into a tough situation at Washington state where they had the weird thing with their former coach and he wouldn't get the vaccine and they fired him. And since he took over that program has done really well, they responded to him well there. So I think he would potentially be someone who could bring some stability to Minnesota if there were a change happening. All right. So you're going outside with that pick. Stephen, outside what you high. got at, what you doing at Minnesota, Stephen? I also sent PJ Fleck on his way for something that will happen later. And this was also a bit of a domino effect for me because the person I picked, I went moved from a Big Ten, and I picked Jim Leonard because I do think he should be a head coach. I just put somebody else at the spot he's actually at now, so I had to move him along as well. But I do think I'm interested to see what he can be as a head coach. So I moved so him. I, I put him in, but I put him in the Big Ten West so that he doesn't have to deal with Ohio State every year. Mm. No, I think that's fair. Um, I put Tony Alford here. That there is a, a history of the Golden Golden Gophers running the ball. You know, we just had a session on Tuesday with Tony Alford. Uh, I think he has a lot of head coaching qualities. You know, I think when he gets in front of a group, I mean, that's not the most important part of being a head coach, but he does have something about him. And I think if we're if we're going to have three people that are associated with Ohio State that are moving on to a head coaching spot, you know, I think he's interested for the right job. And we all move P.J. Fleck out of here, I think, not because we think P.J. Fleck is bad, but because we have rules to this and we think maybe P.J. Fleck can sort of move up, right? Is that why we all move P.J. Fleck out? Okay, we're yes. all nodding for that. Well, so I, yeah. Or at least uh, sideways. I don't know. Not yeah. out. Yeah. Um, I mean, he might, he, might be, he might win the Big Ten West this year. So like, Minnesota I mean, might how still much? be the biggest team in the West, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, liked, I like the fit for Tony Alford. He doesn't have any Minnesota connections or anything, but, like, who cares? So I just thought – you know, at a place that runs the ball, um, he could be good. And I think I don't think that's an unreasonable leap. Listen, he's not a coordinator. He's a run game coordinator, right? But it's at Ohio State. 
And, and Tony Alford's not going to jump for a Mac job, right? I mean, he, you know, I don't think he would demand power five necessarily, but at least better than the Mac. But I, I don't think that would be an outrageous jump for a longtime successful Ohio State assistant, Tony Alford, to jump to Minnesota. So we all moved P.J. Fleck out, um, and I think we created some openings there. Let's jump to the east, Stephen, and let's go to Penn State. James Franklin, again, the third longest tenured head coach in the Big Ten, do you have James Franklin staying at Penn State, or do you do something else? I don't. I have James Franklin going somewhere else, and we'll get to that when we get there. I sent Luke Fickle here, so this is my first OSU connection hire. And I wanted to put Luke Fickle in the Big Ten, and it really came down to a couple of jobs. And he already in real life basically said no to the Michigan State job. So what's the next thing up is probably the Penn State job is a is a step up for him from Cincinnati if he's not going to get the Ohio State job. All right, let's see. Nathan, did you keep James Franklin at Penn State? I didn't. I actually did the same thing that Steven did. Okay. <laughs> I also did not keep James Franklin at Penn State, but you know who I put here? I put P.J. Fleck here. So this is a move <laughs> for me. Um, do we think that Jam- – I mean, it's one of those – he's been there nine years, Stephen. That's a long time for James Franklin at Penn State. Do we think – He'll be there in another five. He signed the contract extension, but I don't think the buyout's crazy. It settled some stuff for a little bit, but there continues to be sort of that. I don't know. Maybe maybe it just would be time for a parting. What, what, do, what do we make of the James Franklin Penn State marriage? I think there's two ways we can look at this, and I think Michigan and Wisconsin kind of paint a picture for the schools in the Big Ten who are that next level under Ohio State. Michigan, when they revamped Jim Harbaugh's contract, it was almost like them saying, like, listen, we're cool with you losing to Ohio State every year, but just stop losing to all these other games, other big games, because we know Ohio State's the monster that it is. Now, granted, he just wouldn't, wouldn't beat Ohio State anyway, but that's I, I think that's a one-off. While with Wisconsin, it was a combination of we keep going 9-3, and 10-2, and two, and we keep losing to Ohio State every time we face them in the Big Ten Championship game. We're sick of this. We're starting, we're starting from scratch, and we're doing something new. So it's almost – which of those roads does Penn State want to take? I'll lean towards the Wisconsin road of maybe two, three years from now where Penn State's lost two or three more close games to Ohio State. Michigan has figured it out with hardball, and now Penn State's clearly the third best team in the Big Ten, or maybe Mel Tucker even starts challenging for that here down the road, and Penn State gets sick of hitting their head up against the door with Franklin and just want to press the restart button. So, but 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 winning 10 games and losing to Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game isn't why Paul Chris got fired. This trend that they're on where this is going to be the third year in a row where they didn't make the Big Ten Championship game and they just lost at home by 20 to Brett Bielema is why he got fired. Like They're they're trending away from 10-win seasons, and, and I'll have more to say about that when we get to Wisconsin. I actually think the, the Franklin thing, I've started to come around on him probably still being there in five years because the whole dynamic of the Big Ten is about to flip. Right now, they're having a really great start to the season. They've exceeded expectations, or at least most people's expectations, to start this season. They're pushing towards like a, being a top ten team, and they could be headed for you know possibly undefeated at the time that they play Ohio State, depending on what happens with Michigan. But that's still that wall still always is there. It really feels like a wall that you have to break through. Whereas you blow up the divisions, and all of a sudden you don't have the Ohio State wall unless they do, I guess. Um, pods and you get stuck in their pod. I don't know how likely that is, if, but you could be separated from Ohio State in a way that now you're just playing them in the Big Ten Championship game, if that even still exists, 
and you get to go to a playoff without having to get through Ohio State. And I think that gives him a lot of incentive to stay at a place that could be a power without having that roadblock. But I'm it still feel like this could, this could be one of those where it's like, oh, James Franklin and Penn State, I don't know. I mean, it's been 19 years, but are they really made for each other? You know, that we could be having this conversation. It's like, well, you know, he's second all time. He, they build a mini statue of him there, but I it's, don't know. Is it the right fit? Is he the next Kirk Ferentz? Yeah. It, oh, I mean, God, it really is. I mean, no. it, it, but it is. I mean, like, it, they're not backsliding, right? That they're, they're, not, they're not descending, and they might be ascending, depending what happens, that they're winning right now with Sean Clifford, and you have to see how Drew Aller pans out and what this Drew Aller-Nick Singleton thing um, does. You have to see how this Manny Diaz hire at defensive coordinator pans out, whether that's a long-term hire. A lot of people think maybe Manny Diaz is going to jump right away for a head coaching job. I don't, Steven, I just don't have a handle on it, but they seem like they're in a pretty good spot right now. And that's based on a month of the season, but they're kind of looking like you want Penn State to look. I, I know we're doing a 14 team thing. We're not including USC and UCLA into this, but for, I think Franklin, we should, because the fourth best team in the Big Ten every year is not getting in the playoff. So if you, and in a 12-team oh, playoff world, if Ohio State's in, USC's probably in because they're Lincoln Riley and Ryan Day led with the elite quarterbacks, and then Michigan's in, there's three teams right there. The, so the they're like constantly whether, the, one, the, the first team left out. Do you think that Penn State is like permanently behind Michigan right now? There, by the way, next week when Ohio State is off, Penn State-Michigan, ooh, mama. Mm-hmm. That interesting game. Big, Very interesting. Big game. Yes. Because I think Penn State would look at Michigan and say, if Michigan can do it, we can do it. We are not now going to be permanently behind Michigan. And I don't know that there's any infrastructure in place, Nathan, that Penn State should be permanently behind Michigan. No. Maybe they should just be, you know, punching each other in the face every year to be, you know, if USC, maybe USC is going to be the second best program, but to be the third best program in the Big Ten, maybe the second best sometimes, maybe the fourth or fifth best sometimes. But if they're doing that, is that good enough for Penn State? Maybe it is. It really might be. I think so. And, and again, the, the dynamic is all going to shift. Once you can, once you live in a world now where you get in the playoff regularly by being the third team in the Big Ten, rather than being completely out of that conversation altogether, I don't know what that's going to change as far as recruiting, as far as you know the appeal that your program has. So it's going to maybe change some things farther down the line. And really, Penn State was doing those things better than Michigan was doing them in very recently. And, and Penn State could beat Ohio State, or at least not get embarrassed by Ohio State. So, yeah, it's very recent memory for them. They know how close they were, and it's just a matter of like getting through these these stumbles, the weird COVID year, some other things that went sideways. Now you've got your quarterback, maybe, who's learning on the job a little bit behind Clifford, and you can hit the ground running with him next year. I think that's the key there. It's This is almost a J.J. McCarthy, a Drew Aller yeah. conversation, but then also what quarterback comes after both of those guys. Do you build on it? Yeah, no, that's. Ex- I think you're exactly right there. That that is this the start of something, yeah. because they haven't had neither of them, neither James Franklin nor Jim Harbaugh has had a five star recruit at quarterback like this. And so, do you develop them? Do they lead you to success? And then does it lead to the next guy? It's a very interesting, really super important question for both those programs. Let's jump back west. I think this might be a quick one. Northwestern. I kept Pat Fitzgerald there. Stephen, what did you do at Northwestern? I kept Pat Fitzgerald there. He's the one under that category I mentioned earlier where it's like the program can't do any better, but maybe he can't either. I think he could do better, but I think he's the proof's in the pudding. He's pretty comfortable being at Northwestern. 
Nathan, what'd you do with Northwestern? I moved Fitz elsewhere. To the Bears? Because I had to. Uh, No, somewhere (laughs) else in the Big Ten. We'll get to that a little bit later. I had to move somebody, and I took a swing with him. Partially because I'm these last couple years, it's one thing if you're like alternating good and bad, and that's what you have to do to get by at Northwestern. They are trending away from being very special right now. And once you start to slide back into the bottom of that division, what what's the appeal really? I know that they are building this new stadium, and I think if you're Pat Fitzgerald, you sort of helped make that possible. You were in large part of making that possible. Oh, huge. So, yeah. so mm-hmm. you're going to go down in history as the guy who helped them build that stadium and now just move along, take take your you know, go go somewhere else and prove what you really are, which we think is one of the best coaches in the Big Ten, regardless of talent. Go somewhere where they can get you real talent and do something with that. And hopefully you don't get in the same pot as Northwestern so you don't have to embarrass them except once every decade or so. So who'd you put here? I went outside higher here. This is, again, a little bit of a stretch maybe, but it's somebody that I think is going to take a shot at being a head coach very soon. He's digged off to a great start for him in Miami, but I picked Josh Gaddis, the former Michigan Hmm. offensive coordinator, because I still think that that's a place that there's more that can be done still at Northwestern, I think. As much as I thinking that it, I, they may just need a new perspective to, to get it going again. I remember we had this conversation a couple of years ago about Northwestern using the portal, which they've obviously done pretty well to find serviceable quarterbacks, decent quarterbacks. I still think there's a way to appeal to a good quarterback from suburban Chicago where they play decent football and you can, you can get a foothold there and, and build something. So it's hard to do from an academic standpoint, but you're about to, you can bring in a new coach as you're starting this new stadium and a guy who's offensive minded and can maybe come in with a, a new system that just invigorates that program a little bit. So I looked at Gaddis. I think he's having a bit of a weird year at yeah. Miami so far, but mm-hmm. it might just be a weird situation. And maybe he just didn't think he was getting paid enough or was disrespected at Michigan. But I think he has a chance. He could be, a, I think, an interesting Big Ten head coaching hire at some point for somebody in this tier. Um, there were five programs to me that stood out as keeps, and 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 Fitzgerald at Northwestern is pretty high on that list. Let's jump to another one that I think maybe we'll agree on keeps. Nathan Rutgers. So I had this as a keep, and then I talked myself into a different keep. So I made a switch here, and I the way I dis, the, this is going to be another outside hire. So this will be my third outside hire, which I'll have all three of mine off the board already, and. The way I talked myself into it was I admire what Greg Schiano is doing there. We all know that they basically had to you know, pull teeth without Novocaine to get anybody to take that job the last time. They even had to like you know twist arms behind the scenes to get Rutgers administration to to step up and secure bringing Schiano there. And on, in some ways, it looks like he's the only guy that could have success there. But if he can be there another you know this year and stabilize things a little bit. I just don't know that you may need new blood to take it up to breaking through and getting into a next level. So this is where I put um, a guy named Holman Wiggins, who is a young guy, 42. He's Alabama's wide receivers coach and assistant head coach for offense. And he's a Los Angeles native. 
So you're trying to expand the Big Ten. You know, Rutgers is going to have to have some kind of connection. Being all the way over on the Atlantic, you've got to find some way to appeal. You know, the, the Big Ten footprint is now coast to coast. So you're not going to, like, live in California, but I don't think that's a bad connection to have and to have the foothold he had now has in the South. It's worked for Mike Loxley coming from Alabama to Maryland and bringing some of that with him, and I think Rutgers could give it a shot too. Can you sell, could you just tell people like go the other way and take a shortcut? Like go, if you live in California, like go over, fly over Japan and Asia and stuff and then get to Rutgers that way. Is that I don't a know shortcut? How big, the, how big the world is. I don't is believe that, that's actually that a shortcut. It's not shorter to go around. Well, around have you ever flown that way? Seven, to eight get... of, of the world. Uh, maybe we can get one of the NJ.com guys on. Do you guys know, is the quickest way from Los Angeles to Rutgers, is it across the continental United States or is it over Japan? I don't know. Well, Next we'll year ask. when Ohio State plays at Rutgers, I will take, well, I'll, I'll take the flight that just comes back to Columbus because I got like vote in the poll on Sunday or whatever. And you take the one that goes <laughs> east and we'll see how yeah. long it takes you to get back. We'll see you in like three weeks. We'll see you at the Big Ten Championship. <laughs> there was a race. I read a book. These guys wrote a book it was like 15 years ago where they raced each other around the world and they set up these rules about what you could do and what you couldn't do. I think you couldn't fly. And then they each wrote about their journeys. I think they might have been TV writers. And they wrote about like their race around the world. And the one guy just cheated. <laughs> it was like, hey, nobody take airplanes. And then like page 111, the guy was like, I'm taking an airplane. And the other guy was like, I'm on a barge. <laughs> I'm on a barge in Indonesia. And the other guy's like, ah, screw it. I'm flying through Greece. And it was like, it was a good book. So we we could do that with this version of it. Uh, I kept Shiano. Stephen, what'd you do? I kept Shiano, but I did think about outside hire. But I thought about Halfley just because he does have ties mm. in that region. And it's like, it could be like an Urban Meyer, Ryan Day situation where, you know, except Halfley like flames out of Boston College because they stink right now. You know, uh, Shiano yeah. hires him as a defensive coordinator. And in like two years, Shiano retires and he hands it over to Jeff Halfley. Because I think is, like Halfley picked BC over Rutgers. This is catching – Rutgers is catching Halfley on the way down at yep. this point because it's not going so great at BC. Okay. That's interesting. I mean, That's an interesting <laughs> proposition. I thought about dumpster, it. It's not a dumpster fire at Boston College. He went to – he had back-to-back bowl games, I think. It's not – okay. Were, it's it's, it's not a dumpster good fire, year, but they're like not, they're not. the the match they is lit. Rutgers. They're at a dumpster and the match is lit. They just haven't thrown they, it in the dumpster yet. They did lose to they Rutgers. They lost to Rutgers. Yeah, they did. So, so I not, thought about I that, know. but I kept Shannon. Okay, so that's four in. So that's our two keeps uh, for me and Steven. Um, again, Shiano. When I was thinking like keep Shiano was a pretty quick keep for me. When we come back, we're gonna dig in on Iowa. Will Brian Ferentz be promoted to replace his father next on Buckeye Talk? <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, we're back. Steven, fix the Iowa Hawkeyes. You keeping Kirk? You bringing Kirk back for your 25? Yeah, but in his contract, it's going to say you're not allowed to hire anybody who is related to you. You actually are keeping him, though? You kept yeah, he was, my wild card. he was my wild card keep. 
I just okay. don't think Iowa is like that attractive of a job. And I think part of it is because it's so like correlated with one person for basically my entire life. And it was correlated with one person for the generation before that. They've had two coaches in basically yeah, 50 years, so it's, Hayden it's, Fry and, and Kirk so, Ferentz. I, so I don't know I what don't that know. job looks like on the market of just like would Pete, if Kirk Ferentz literally did just announce like, hey, this is my last season today. Would people be banging down the door to try to get that job? I mean, Lincoln Riley wouldn't be, but I think some people might be. And I want, I just think Kirk Ferentz has, has run his course and then some at Iowa. I think it would be uh, in service of the entire state to just do something new. This is not to say that he has not been good, but I'm over it, like way, way, way over it. Nathan, what did you do at Iowa? Yeah, so I have this, this little legal pad here, and I wrote all of the names here first the schools and then the names. And I circled the ones that I was keeping and I could not draw a line through Kirk Ferentz's name fast enough. Um, he gone. <laughs> Who you got? Well, again, per the rules, I had to move three coaches within the big 10 to somewhere else. And that I thought was the hardest exercise. That was even harder than like picking an Ohio state coach to go somewhere or an Ohio state tie to go somewhere or summoning an outside hire to go somewhere was deciding who would go within the, the big 10. And I think Iowa is a combination of um, so traditionalist and so risk averse and so like set in its ways, but also in need of someone who could spark it in some way. So I moved Jeff Brom to Iowa. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. I like that move. Um, I did not. He's an offensive-minded guy. It's an offensive-minded guy, yeah. which would make him the first such person to enter the state of Iowa since, like Brad Banks. No, no, and I, and I think they would. I think they would welcome that. Uh, I think they would welcome that for sure. There, there is a guy. Lavar Woods is their special teams coach. He's a guy. Again, my brother-in-law is a huge Iowa fan. He's an Iowa grad. He really likes Lavar Woods. I mean, I think he's a guy that's on some people's radars as a future head coach there. But luckily for Iowa, there happens to be. A current head coach who played at Iowa, and I moved Brett Bielema to Iowa. And I don't, I mean, what, what would, I mean, I don't, we're just playing a game here. Like, is that the most ruthless move that he, he left Wisconsin, then he went to the SEC, came back into the Big Ten to get back in, got the guy who replaced him fired by beating him and then was just like bailed on Illinois and was like, I'm going to my alma mater. Like, can you imagine? Like, I mean, it, it's a little bit fanciful and I don't well, know what the buyout is and I don't know all that stuff. But like, if, if Iowa actually said, Kirk, we're done. Brett Bielema is a good football coach. He has a Hawkeye tattoo on his leg and he's going home, brother. I don't know. Like we're playing a game well, here and I enjoyed it for the game. I'm not so sure that it's like 1,000% crazy. Oh, no. I think if you're Iowa, you make the call. Absolutely. Um, am I convinced? Like, Illinois is – it's strange. Like, you kind of when, – when when Steven said, I don't think Iowa's that great of a job, and you and I both were kind of like, eh, I don't know. It's actually not that bad of a job. But we have also talked about how Illinois is like a sleeping giant in some ways. Yeah. Like, Illinois should be a lot – it should not be one of the worst Power 5 programs in the country, which it was for – a decade like it's just been miserable for a while there and that shouldn't be the case so if i'm bielema i probably definitely take the call and i let 
Josh Whitman know I'm getting that call and I'm going to probably have a contract renegotiation coming up anyway. And I just go down to the, the champagne Urbana savings in the, the fifth third bank or whatever, and uh, open up another account for all the extra. You're cash going home. That's a very specific bank. You're going home. You're going home. I mean, this league is filled with people who coaching at their alma maters. Yeah. So I don't, you know, I mean, there's, there's just something about where you played. So I, I agree with you. I'm not, I would be, it would set the conference on fire. Oh my God. If he wound up coaching at like three different big 10 West programs, <laughs> um, it's just too delicious. It was too King delicious for me. I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. Well, and what, um, if, what if Illinois right. gets to the big 10 championship game this year and then he goes to Iowa and gets them to a big 10 championship game. It'll be like, that'll be yeah. unprecedented. Nobody will ever do that again. He's like LeBron. Yeah, it's like wherever he goes, he makes the finals. Start it's like whatever yeah. team. It's like, oh, Beelum is streak. How many uh, how many conference championship games more has like Beelum Jim Kelly. LeBret. LeBert. How about that? <laughs> Not LeBron. Mm. LeBert. That I'm I gonna was... start. I just want to make I wish I knew how to make memes and gifs because I would just make Brett Bielema gifs all day. I was watching a video clip, it must have been a TikTok or something on the internet. Twitter that was uh, a really obese guy playing with these like really awesome basketball moves, like hitting shots and dishing dimes and stuff. And it called him Cinnabon James. Oh, that's good. I like that. We could, we could just have a whole podcast in the off season coming up with more nicknames for Brett Bielema. Cinnabon James is pretty good. Um, I'm wondering how many people have a key peer, Steven, Maryland. This is my at last actual keep. Ference was my wild card keep. And it's, I think, for he can get the best out of that re- from a recruiting standpoint. But then also at this point, he hasn't shown me anything that makes it feel like he can make a leap to a bigger program from here. Mm, I think he might be in the right spot. Like, I think Maryland yeah. as a program might be making a leap right now. But yes. does this mean that Mike Loxley is going to get, you know, the Florida State job next? Maybe not. Right. He just he's a DMV recruiter. He knows that area really well. He's dialing up an offense that I think he is working. Um, this was a pretty quick keep for me. Nathan, what'd you do with Mike Loxley in Maryland? Yeah, also a keep, but one of my wild card keeps. He wasn't one of my automatic ones. But I uh, feeling the same way you guys are talking. And listen, like they're four and one right now, and the schedule's favorable. Like they could be eight and one, nine and one, I think, going into that Michigan game. Um, or, and I'm sorry, the Penn state game, they already lost to Michigan, but competitively like stayed with them. So like, something's happening there. This could be a 10 win team this year. If things were to really go create more, probably more likely eight or nine, but like it, it's, it's, it's conceivable. We're halfway through a season and we're talking about Maryland being like one of the 20 best teams in the country. Maybe. I think there's a concept with him where it's, he could go get another Rakeem Jarrett from that area. And maybe develop another Dante Demas. We, we talked a couple of years ago about the idea of Ohio State's going to keep recruiting quarterbacks like this. Some of them are going to transfer. And we looked at Northwestern like, hey, should Pat Fitzgerald start stealing some of these guys? I think Mike Loxley should start stealing mm. some of these guys. And, and Maryland That's is well really interesting geographically because you've got the major metro area. like So that has an appeal yep. to recruits. But it's also not like super northern. Like you're kind of – you're right there on the – cusp mm-hmm. of the south like you're not that far from being on like the southern border of what people think is ACC the school so, for a long time right so i it from a recruiting uh, footprint concept it's an intriguing place if somebody can just get there and get a foundation going it seems like he might be doing that 
their schedule, obviously, they have the four big programs in the East every year. And then they also played Wisconsin this year. So beginning of the season, I was like, they might be the best seven and five team in college football. Well, they beat Michigan state. Turns out Michigan state's not very good. And they still have Wisconsin on the schedule and Wisconsin's not very good. Are they going to beat Penn state, Michigan or Ohio state? Well, probably not, but they could be like a, a quite good eight or nine win team. They, they really, they really have a chance to be uh, a, a pretty, a pretty accomplished team. So like this is, this could set up really well for them. Um, okay. We all kept Mike Loxley. I'll be, I use both my wild cards on keeps. So I, there, I wound up keeping five guys in their current spots. Cause it's just, I thought there were five that stood out. Um, so for me, Fitzgerald Loxley and Shiano are three of those five keeps. Let's go to Nebraska. Let's go to the opening at Nebraska, Mickey Joseph filling in for Scott Frost right now, Nathan Baird, what are you doing with the Cornhuskers? So I actually did something here that I do not think is what Nebraska should do. But again, <laughs> to keeping with the strictures of the rules of this game, this is where I put P.J. Fleck. Okay, a, a move. Terrible move from P.J. Fleck. Well, a bigger... Well, but here's the thing about P.J. Base, Fleck. More important, football's more important to Nebraska than it is to yeah. Minnesota. And P.J. Fleck is just from things like... There's a reason his name comes up a lot everywhere like every year with a cycle his name is in there a lot and it's because he wants his name in there a lot and i think mm-hmm. i'm not saying he's a mercenary but i think if nebraska were just like well we've got to go get somebody who we're sure can win in the big 10 to some level because we got to get back to like a seven win at minimum standard and so whatever it takes we'll pay for it to bring him to nebraska that I could see that happening where he would get like the Mel Tucker plus kind of deal to come to yeah. Nebraska. Yeah, that's fair. Steven, what'd you do with Nebraska? I use another OSU thing. And we talk about this. We joke about this guy wanting to be a head coach again all the time. And for some of the reasons Nathan just pointed out for why like PJ Fleck might make sense there. I think Kevin Wilson would, because Nebraska's kind of the one big 10 program who, just because things have been so bad there that they would try it and go steal the offensive coordinator from Ohio state. Who's actually not the main play caller. Who's been a head coach before and just start from scratch with that guy. That would be a great gig for Kevin Wilson. He'd, yeah. he'd run there and yeah. make Toby Wilson, the starting center. Um, <laughs> I'm super curious about like where Kevin Wilson's career goes uh, the rest of, you know, before he retires. Um, I mean, this was this guy helped usher in the era of the spread offense. This guy was a great offensive coordinator in the Big Ten, in the Big Ten at Northwestern. They're like that that part of the resume is solid. It's just the way he left Indiana. So, I, yeah. but I don't think again, time heals some wounds at least. Mm-hmm. And if you're playing the game of well, what did he do to compare to what other coaches did? You know, which I don't know if that's a good game to play or not. But it's interesting to think about. And, and neither of you guys did this, and neither did I. You know, Nathan, we've had a conversation about Brian Hartline. Like, should Nebraska look at Brian Hartline? I was curious to see if any of us would go the OSU route out there. Um, I went outside and I put Lance Leipold here. That if there is going to be a, a bidding war for the Kansas coach who has connections both in Wisconsin and in Nebraska, those are the only two programs, the only two states where he coached as an assistant. Um, who wins for him? And I just did like a kind of a different thing with Wisconsin. He, to me, is the kind of guy that Lance Leipold probably should be a Big Ten coach, right? I mean, he's proven it. 
I think he fits culturally with all his ties. He was, he's been good everywhere he goes. He's in his late fifties. It's not the splashiest hire in the world, but he's like a really good, solid football coach. So this is a guy, I think he'll actually be in the mix at Nebraska and they might have to throw some money at him, but I don't know. I think it's, I think this feels wide open, right? I don't know that anybody has a handle on what Nebraska Nathan is actually going to do. I was a proponent of Leipold at Illinois. I thought that was like going to be a really smart hire for them. And Josh Whitman is a D3 guy, the AD there. And I thought he's made a, he's hired other people straight from D3 to like, I think his women's basketball coach was someone who he was with at Washington university D3 in St. Louis. So, um, or she may have moved on by now, but at one time anyway, um, but I am wondering a little bit about Leipold, like things are about to get real for the Jayhawks. <laughs> their next the, their no, schedule sure. coming they up might. is TCU at Oklahoma, which I know they've they got could lose right now, but they could lose out. at They're Baylor, they could lose Oklahoma State. It's it's yeah. So I, I think it might be a thing where they get to the end of the year and Kansas is like rewarding him for like resuscitating things there, but where he's not exactly at the top of lists anymore. They're over under win total is two and a half, and they're five and zero. Oh. Right, right. Like, hey, I'm ranking days. them. I'm ranking them right now in my poll because they've deserved it. Yeah, but it could go. It could start sliding the other way pretty. But quick. I don't know that that would make Nebraska or Wisconsin or anybody else back off because it's maybe it's, it's already a half season. It's a half season miracle, and then it's like if they finish five and seven or six and six, it's like well, they and probably his, should be one and eleven. And his track record at Buffalo was legit too. Like he did good things there, made them kind of nationally relevant. So it's not like he came out of nowhere. All right, I have one OSU person so far. I have Tony Alford at Minnesota. Nathan, you have one OSU-related person so far. You have Luke Fickle at Penn State. Mm -hmm. And Stephen, you have two OSU. You have Kevin Wilson at Nebraska and Luke Fickle at Penn State. Let's go to Indiana, Nathan, because I want to see if we all did the same thing here. Nathan, what you got for Indiana? This was like, you know how I said like I couldn't cross – Kirk Ferentz's oh. name off fast enough. This is the one that I couldn't write a name in fast enough. I th- and I thought I almost didn't because I thought like, well, this is too easy. Like this is, but but you know, take just take the W and move on. Uh, it, Justin Fry, Stephen, you do the same thing. Yep. Yeah. So did I. So this is the Ohio State offensive line coach. We've joked about it since he got here. Like, oh, he was at UCLA. He just wants wants to get closer to Indiana where he was an offensive lineman so he can set himself up to replace Tom Allen. We actually wound up talking about this on the College Football Survivor Show this week. Uh, Shaham was talking about Kane Womack, who's a head coach at South Alabama. South Alabama's pretty good. They almost beat UCLA this year. He's a former defensive coordinator at Indiana. He was saying like, oh, he's going to be the next head coach in Indiana. Again, you know, it's one of these things like Indiana. It's like, well, I don't know. It's in the Big Ten. Like it's a it's a pretty good job. So Nathan, is it? Do you think if they know if they would move now, and and Indiana has already won more games than I thought they would. I thought they had a chance to go like one and eleven or two and ten. I think they have three wins. It's going to get rough for them in Big Ten play. If Indiana went now, and Tom Allen has a lot of years left on a pretty big deal, is it too early for Justin Fry? Like, is Justin Fry much better positioned for this? If Indiana is making a change after the 2023 or 2024 seasons. Could one year as a non-coordinator at Ohio State actually set up a guy for a Big Ten job? I think Indiana is the one place where he would potentially be able to jump just because that's where his connections are. He's an Indiana guy. He was from Indiana. His dad was a high school coach in Indiana. Like his roots in Indiana. He's. I remember even saying something. We were having an interview maybe after he first got here and I, we were talking about something and I said something about 
something about when I covered Purdue and he was like, boo, like he's like, he doesn't, he's an Indiana guy. He's a Hoosier oh, guy. Real? Yeah. I can't remember. He was, it was just joking around, but, yeah, but so, he like team up North Jew about Purdue and Indiana. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, it, this is a place where it would be a marriage of a, a, a place where a guy probably couldn't refuse the offer and a place that would maybe be looking for a native son a little bit to come back and because it was just, I know 2020 was weird, and I know that I was as much the uh, the Indiana hater as anybody else, and not really believing in them being that good that year. But just just so recently, there was so much excitement around that program, and now it's just really kind of fallen apart. I, they have three wins. I think they're going to finish with three wins, and it's I don't know what the upside is. So I, I think it is because of what Tom Allen did. And maybe because of financial reasons, he may have more rope than this. He may not just be out after this year, but the end seems inevitable to me. And I think Justin Fry would be high on that list when that time comes. Yeah, I think at best we get one more year, Tom Allen. But while I was considering some of this, even if I did, I couldn't write Justin Fry's name in there any quicker than anything else in the world. Urban Meyer had this with his assistants where it was like the, it wasn't in writing, but it was like two years, kind of a handshake agreement. And Day got asked about that when he first got the job, and he said he didn't have that in there. I wonder if he's changed that approach, seeing what happened with just with Jeff Halfley and how Halfley was here for nine months and then he was gone, and it's taken three years to get a competent coordinator in here. And especially because at the offensive line, he's kind of going through the same thing where it's like Greg Strzelwa just wasn't getting it done, and now you finally found somebody who's getting it done a little bit. And do you really want to go try to hire somebody else? But you can't make him stay. No. Who cares about handshakes? Yeah. You burn the bridge and take your job, right? I mean, I, I don't know that Ryan Day was thrilled when Jeff Halfley left. I don't know what the day had had an agreement, but like, and part of the deal there was like, is is BC? Is like, we really jump. If Justin Fry, if Indiana's open and it's like, this is Justin Fry's yeah. dream job, you know? And I don't know if Justin Fry was like, hey, I'm thinking about going to be the head coach at Weber State. I think Ryan Day might be like, bro, what what are we doing here? You just yeah. got here. You're leaving for Weber State? Like, stay another year. You're going to get a better job than that. But I think if it's Indiana, Ryan Day would be like, you got to go. It's going to screw us, but you got to go. Yeah. So um, I knew we'd all have Fry. I knew we'd all have Fry. Let's get to the, what, the, an open job. Let's get to Wisconsin, Stephen. Let's figure this out. There's... It, they should have good options here, and I'll be curious how far flung they go with this search. The AD has said they're going to do a national search, even though Jim Leonard is sitting right there as the interim coach and a former player there who's been a good defensive coordinator. You already moved Jim Leonard on, Stephen, um, to Minnesota. What do you got Wisconsin doing? This is 100% not what they're going to do. I just think it's interesting, and obviously I had to fill some criteria here. I put James Franklin at Wisconsin and just got him away from Ohio State. That's not a bad idea. The conference is going to get him away from Ohio State by going to no divisions, but yeah. also you get farther away. Mm-hmm. Like 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 you start you stop recruiting against them. You um, mostly that right, and there that's interesting. And uh, and sometimes it is. It's like that's clearly a lateral move. Even might be. Depending, it's actually probably like a pretty straight lateral move. There are things about Wisconsin that are better. There are things about Penn State that are better. But that's an interesting move. Um, Moves like that sometimes are really super interesting, and sometimes they come out of nowhere when it's like 
people just needed to break up and it's like, what? And it's like, yep, this is happening. So I, I mean, it's a little bit like Lincoln Riley, right? It's like, where did that come from? And it's just like, it's not that anybody was really super unhappy. It just was like a guy got a little restless. So I kind of like the thinking behind something like that. And again, we're playing a game here. We're fitting categories. Nathan, what'd you do for Wisconsin? I kept Jim Leonard here. I was really on the fence about it. I was thinking of this maybe being a place where I would go outside higher. But the more I thought about it, again, what I said to earlier about why Paul Christ was fired, I don't think Wisconsin has visions of a national championship. I was listening to another podcast where the guys were complaining about we're talking about this job and being like, what do you do in Wisconsin? The guy wins nine games a year. You're not Ohio state. And I'm like, no, that's the point. They know they're not Ohio state, but they've got to win nine or 10 games a year. They've got to be the best team in the West. They have to be the team that everybody comes through in the West. And that's not happening right now. Like I said, it's going to be a third year in a row, most likely, unless things really change where they're not the big 10 West representative in the big 10 championship game. You can't call them the power of the West anymore. So I think they would stay within with Leonard as a young guy a Badger guy, someone that they think has the intangibles to be a head coach. As we've talked about, we knew that you know his name is getting out there on other jobs. And they want to keep him. They want to see where that goes. I think that's one of the reasons they made the call when they did. Not only to maybe prevent Paul Christ from finishing stronger and making their decision harder later, but because this helps them lock up Leonard if that's who they want to keep. So... I think they think he can be that guy who takes them back to what they were very recently under Paul Christ. And again, when the playoff structure changes, maybe that gives you an opening to where being 10 wins and losing a big 10 championship game still gets you in the playoff. And now you can make noise nationally. Whereas now you're a little bit excluded from that. It just, I think Wisconsin's realistic about what it is and should be. It's not a true national power, but it needs to be a big 10 power. And that is really slipping through its fingers right now. All right. So I did a move here and I am just sending guys home. I just love reunions. Can't we all, don't we all just want to go home? Isn't that, don't we all just want to crawl back in, in our mother's wombs in the name of bringing up LeBron again. Yes. We want to come home, win a title and then move to LA. Yeah. So I'm sending Mel Tucker home. Mel Tucker, mm. Cleveland Heights, high school player, was going to go play at Air Force. Barry Alvarez gets hired at Wisconsin. It's like, hey, come play for me. It's like, That's okay. Smart. Mel Tucker goes to Wisconsin. So I know this sounds crazy, but it's also slightly remarkable. And then we'll move on to Michigan State next. It's like, great. $95 million, reset the market, get Ryan Day a raise, get James Franklin a raise. And now it's like, eh. <laughs> Is it? Like, eh. <laughs> Are we sure? And and I don't really mean that. I think Mel Tucker should be a head coach in the Big Ten. He learned from Nick Saban. He learned from Jim Tressel. He's from Cleveland. He's coached at Ohio State. He went to Wisconsin. This is where Mel Tucker belongs. He was, a, as it turned out, a very good hire for Michigan State. It's just going to be a little rough when he gets started, right? We didn't know that there was going to be a step back here, but it feels like it's going to be a step back here. But I'm just I'm just sending. Got I got the, Justin Fry coaching his alma mater. Brett Bielema coaching his alma mater. Mel Tucker coaching his alma mater in the Doug Lamarie system. It, it's worked pretty well for Jim Harbaugh. Did not work for Scott Frost at all. So you can't only hire guys who played at your school. But if it fits, it fits. So we had to do some moves, and I did another move here. I do think in the end, if we had to bet in real life, not in our fake game, 
Would we put money right now that Jim Leonard winds up getting this job? Nathan, you actually kept him there. Would you bet money on that right now? Jim Leonard's a long-term coach at Wisconsin. Yes. Stephen, would you think Leonard's going to be good enough and he's the guy they want? Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, and to, I think I agree with that. To the Mel Tucker point, you also can't – I don't know if you can actually build a program by just like bringing in 15 transfers every single year. So maybe last this year's, this year's not the step back. Last year was just like – he hit on some transfers and he hit on multiple guys at the same time. And that's how, if it, if you flip these two seasons, then it's a normal natural progression of how a hiring a new coach is supposed to look at for a college football program. No, he accelerated the rebuild and yeah. got to a, a new year's six game and got everybody um, all excited. And, and now like he's paying the piper on the other end when actually yeah. like, no, they had no right to be as good last year as they were. Mel Tucker's going to be good at this, but it was it was pretty torn down to the studs with Mark mm-hmm. Antonio, right? That I mean, and again, it was Old Miss is doing this a little bit right now. It depends. I don't know if he wants to be a transfer destination. Like Lane Kiffin and Old Miss is selling, like, yeah, everyone transfer here, let's go. I think they have seventeen transfers at Old Miss that are playing and making making a difference. Doesn't Mel Tucker does not talk like that? It for, sort of felt like last year. Hey, we had to do what we had to do, mm-hmm. but I do think he wants to build something. And it's, I, this is just all part of the natural progression. But I think your point, Stephen, that last year was more the blip than this year's the blip is probably right. He's, you know, everyone in East Lansing is going to have to remind a lot of people about that. So let's do Michigan State. So Stephen, what did you have happening at Michigan State? This is where I sent PJ Fleck. I think. Okay. When things are clicking. Michigan State should be a tick up from what Minnesota is, but it also isn't like all eyes are on you because, you know, Tom Izzo's still on your campus. And so it's, but it's also, all right, man, you've been having some successful seasons. It almost did the opposite of what I did with James Franklin, where it's like, you've been having all this success in the West. And I understand like divisions are about to not matter, but they still do under these rules. Let's see you come do this when you've got to play Michigan and Penn State and Ohio State every year. And that would be, we definitely would view Michigan State as a step up from Minnesota. Correct, Stephen? Like your view yeah. of that. That's, that's a better job, probably more money for P.J. Fleck. What do you got for Michigan State, Nathan? This was my other wild card keep and just leaving Mel Tucker there, partially because I let some realism sneak into this. And there's only one athletic program in the world that would have paid Mel Tucker $9 million last year. And it was Michigan <laughs> state and nobody's given him a raise to leave. So I just, and, and I want to see what else he can do there because what he did yeah. there last year, you know, regardless of the way the first half went at Ohio stadium, they still beat Michigan head to head, something Ohio state couldn't do. They still went to a new year's six and, and beat a good team. Like this is last year the Ohio state result obscures a little bit how good that season was. And yes, he had to do it with transfers, but I do sort of wonder, I'm not disputing what Steven said. You do absolutely have to build the foundation, but if you are in that middle tier and you can keep plucking just enough guys every year to maybe give you a spike, there might be something to that. So I want to see what else he can do there in a, give him at least, you know, four or five years to, get his foundation in there, but to keep trying this thing, because if you, all you have to do is pull a Kenneth Walker every four years and you get another one of these spikes and now you're a 10 win team again. And it's a lot more than most of the big 10 can hope for. Yeah. Now that's, that, that's real. That's all real. That's all real. Mine's fake. I sent Brian Hartline to Michigan state. 
So cool. <laughs> I did not I did not do fickle. So you guys each use fickle as one of your Ohio State associated people. I just went with three people currently on the staff. So Justin Fry to Indiana, Tony Alford to Minnesota, and Brian Hartline to Michigan State. Nathan, again, we've talked about Brian Hartline in Nebraska. It's just I think he could jump like this. And if you're looking for especially, it's interesting to think about anywhere where you haven't really done sort of a high-flying offense, and you would maybe crave that. It certainly would sell. Now, would it win? Would it win? I don't I don't know. But I think any kind of physical defense-first run game Big Ten program that's like, done with that, let's recruit some five-star receivers and see what happens. Brian Hartline could bring a lot of juice. And again, I think it feels like there's a lot of substance to that. So I don't know when, it, you know, we wind up talking about Brian Hartline a lot. If, and when he ever does move, Nathan, I don't think a jump like this is completely out of the question. I don't either. I just thought of it a little bit different than you did, but more to come. I don't uh, hate it. I don't hate the concept of what you're doing with Brian Hartline. And that he has set himself up to where the bar is raised on what type of head coaching job he'll take. Like, he doesn't have to start at ground zero anymore. And I do think Michigan State's one of those places. Like, well, you both hate Michigan, so that's okay. You can go work there. right? <laughs> Man, maybe you have to wind up playing Ohio State sometimes, but it's like you're united in your hatred of the Wolverines. And so that's like a good, you know, f- you know they tried to get fickle, Mark D'Antonio, right? was an Ohio State assistant who wound up at Michigan State. So I think I think that all fits, too. We have four programs left. We've Right? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Now, what if that's like Michigan State's entire hiring practices every single time? It's like, listen, we hate Michigan, too. Yeah. Why not? Mel Tucker. Right. It's work. I mean, why not? Yeah, Mel Tucker's, Mel Tucker's is as Ohio as it gets. Yeah. He's, he's Cleveland, Ohio State, Browns. He's covered in Ohio. Yeah. Um, we've got Illinois, Purdue, Ohio State, and Michigan left. What head coaches are we going to give them? We'll figure that out on Buckeye Talk. All right, Nathan Baird, what are you doing with Purdue? You've moved on. You've moved Jeff Brom on to Iowa. Who's your Purdue head coach? So you were talking about how Michigan State and other places like that that are maybe more defense-first, run game-oriented, blue-collar, um, reputation that they might look to switch things up. Well, that's not Purdue. Purdue is more what you're talking about, like high flying, high octane offense, at least when they've gone, when it's been good. I'm not saying they've always done that. Trust me. I watched plenty of Purdue games where that was not the case, but Joe Tiller and you know, they've got a thing there. They got the cradle quarterbacks there. There's probably, there's arguably no big 10 program that's ever produced more quarterbacks consistently. They've gone on and had NFL success than Purdue. Curtis Painter. Kyle Orton. Um, Drew Brees. <laughs> yeah. Let's, no, I'm just let's... trying to name like mediocre. <laughs> mediocre. David Blau. David Blau. And now you have Aiden O'Connell. I but know. Bob Greasy. He's good. Bob Greasy, Drew Brees, Mark Herman. There was some Lynn Dawson. They had some guys. So this is where I put Brian Hartline. And is Purdue a good enough job for Brian Hartline to say, yeah, I'll jump and take it? I think it is. I think that would be – I don't think Brian Hartline would, would turn down Purdue because he's waiting for something better. 
It's so still relatively, yeah, it's still relatively close to home for him and his family. You know, it's just four hours away, whatever. You, um, you're going to a place that again values offense, a place where you can say to all these receivers that you're recruiting, you can't say I've got Ryan Day, but you can say, hey, we they call this the cradle of quarterbacks for a reason. We can we can still go get quarterbacks, but you know, this is where receivers should be coming. Uh, I, I, you know, I honestly think it's it's hard. I think to assume that you will make your first jump without ever having been a coordinator to a job better than this. Unless you were staying, unless, unless Ohio State was yeah. promoting him. But if you're jumping right. outside of Ohio State, this might actually be about the ceiling. Michigan State might actually be a little bit, I don't know, that, roughly the same level, I guess. But like, it'd be a little bit. No, I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So I uh, think the expectations at Michigan State are higher than Purdue. I think that's fair. I mean, I had to put somebody at Purdue, and the more I looked at this, just from style of play and a place that might look. I mean, when they hired Jeff Brom, he's not that old. He's a younger guy, had been in the NFL for a long time, with with less of a you know a notoriety about it even than than Brian Hartline did. Brom being like a very like kind of energy personality guy, and Hartline being that or maybe even more so. This seems like a place that I mean, this might actually be a thing here pretty soon because louisville is going in the toilet every time louisville has a job opening the first person they call is jeff brom he had to basically like spit in his family's face last time to turn down that (laughs) job and he may not turn it down again and when purdue starts looking for a head coach again they're probably gonna be looking for i mean i know mike bobinski has talked about before they look for offensive minded guys he likes guys who can develop quarterbacks or know what quarterbacking is about and i think brian hartline could sell that i like it a lot of good reasoning behind that. Steven Means, what you doing with Purdue? So mine came down to two choices. I also had an outside hire. Um, I briefly thought about just like picking Dylan McCullough as he continues to make his way around the different Power 5 schools in Indiana just for the fun yeah. of it. I don't know. It just keeps bringing different family members with him. But under the gaze of creator of quarterbacks, uh, Jeff Levy, quarterback coach and offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. And he's on a list for a lot of people as like a, yep. a coordinator who's ready um, to make a jump, Oklahoma, not great at the moment, but he established a good reputation. Um, mm-hmm. I like that. I like that line of thinking. You guys are probably right on this. I went completely opposite. This actually, I think, especially Nathan, you obviously understand Purdue more than most. That if there's an identity that you want to keep, I went opposite that identity because I was just trying to find an outside hire to give a chance to that I think would be might be a good head coach someday. And it's Ryan Walters, who's a defensive coordinator at Illinois right now. Um, He's a guy. He has a lot of connection. I think he's played at Colorado and Colorado is open. I know his name has come up for that. But I was just trying – it's like, hey, he's a, he's a good, pretty young Big Ten coordinator. Can you find a spot for him, right? It's like, hey, let's keep that guy in the conference. But actually, I think both the points that you guys are both making with Purdue once offense probably makes more sense. So um, I also thought about – because I booted Bielema out of Illinois. Like I could have just promoted – I maybe should have switched my Illinois and Purdue picks because I could have just promoted Ryan Walters at Illinois, right, with Bielema left, which actually, if he would leave, maybe that was something that Illinois would do. So let's just go to Illinois right now. We'll save Michigan and Ohio State for last. Stephen Means, what did you do with Illinois? This is where I put Josh Gaddis. Okay. 
Okay. And again, I, I did not put Josh Gaddis in this operation, but I certainly thought about him. Successful Michigan offensive coordinator, still pretty young, I think would make sense as a Big Ten head coach. Mm-hmm. Nathan, what'd you do with Illinois? I just kept Bielema here. This was one of my like three original keeps. And it's just, like I said before, I think Illinois is a bit of a, a sleeping giant. I think maybe he's locking into something there. And, you know, he, if, if you get this going and can, what Illinois has never really had since like, and I mean like since like John Makovic, if people even remember that name, who John Makovic was maybe gone from Illinois before Stephen was born. Like they, they'll have these spikes, like they'll get to a Rose Bowl. And then, you know, I remember like under Ron Turner, like they had a year where they went like, one and 11 or oh and 12 and then they, they were in the rose bowl like two years later and then they were bad again and they fire him like they can't sustain it so i think for bielema this is some faith that he could whatever's going to happen the rest of this year and it looks like i mean they're going to be in the mix to win the west this year because everybody is like literally everybody <laughs> everybody's we're short of like everybody's short of like yeah uh so um can he, if they replicate that, if he comes back next year and, and has another really strong year, then that might be enough to really get a foothold to start getting the kind of appeal that you need to recruit at a higher level there. He's a good Big Ten head coach. So I don't, again, don't, the Big Ten shouldn't let, he shouldn't leave again, and the Big Ten shouldn't let him leave again. He should finish his career coaching the Big Ten, whether it's at Illinois or Iowa or someplace else. This was, um, this guy feels like every uh, most people, a lot of college football analysts think this guy's going to be on the market. He certainly is a name that has popped up at a place like Nebraska. It's Matt Rule, who's the head coach of the Carolina Panthers right now. Um, they're playing yeah. terrible. People think he's going to get fired. People think he's more of a, of a college guy than an NFL guy. Was a head coach at Temple, was a head coach at Baylor, then went to the NFL. I just think maybe, like the thing I'm thinking about, Stephen, is if Matt Rule's on the market and – the Big Ten has openings. Is this the kind of thing? This is like what Big Ten Network money is for. Should should Matt Rule wind up in the Big Ten? So in our crazy game, I put him at Illinois. Maybe I should have promoted Ryan Walters at Illinois and put Matt Rule at Purdue. Um, but this guy is—he really turned around Baylor in a tough situation and was really good there and was pretty good at Temple too. So I'll be really curious if Matt Rule winds up in the Big Ten next year somewhere or will some other conference throw more money at him or make him think he has a better chance to win? I really like that pick. I actually wish, and I'm glad you're up Purdue. I should have thought about that there as well too, because he's an offensive guy. He just seems like a guy who can be a really good college football coach and stinks in the NFL, which happens a lot. Which happens. They're two totally different sports. Oh, it happens so, with even some of the greatest coaches in the history of college football. Nick Saban. Yeah, yeah, yeah Nick Saban went up like, there. It was terrible. So yeah. this is – he might – if – let's live in the fantasy world. Let's just say Illinois hires Matt Rule. He turn them into a 9-3 team just because, you know, he turns that offense into something there. Friends with Ryan Day. Worked with Ryan Day at Temple. Ryan yep. Day can tell him what's up about the Big Ten. You know, so I, I think the chances of Matt Rule being a Big Ten head coach next year are uh, certainly – There's it's certainly possible. So this is our fantasy game, but we're also dealing a little bit with reality. Let's do Ohio State. I was going to make a joke. Oh, I meant to make the joke. I forgot to say. Oh, and in Illinois, I had Ryan Day. So <laughs> I should have said that. That would have been funnier. Um, do we all keep Ryan Day at Ohio State, Stephen? Should you keep Ryan Day at Ohio State? No, because that's boring, and I want to have some fun. 
Okay. So he's he's my wild card. And I just want to poke at Ohio State fans because it's like a thing. I took Lincoln Riley away from USC and brought him to Ohio State. Did you do a straight trade? Yes. A, a, does anyone have to throw anybody in there, or is it just an absolute straight trade, no, Riley, for Day? I send Ryan Day, C.J. Stroud, and a five-star recruit to be named later to Los Angeles for Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, and two four-stars. Oh, wow. Man, this makes me want to have college football trades that encompass both players and coaches because that would be uh, super fun. I I like the uh, – this – Stephen, do you think that the Lincoln-Riley – because I don't think this only exists like in our head because we cover Ohio State. I do think it's possible that when we look back generationally – we will look at Lincoln Riley and Ryan Day as, you know, they're certainly peers. They're, they're offensive-minded head coaches. Um, whenever there's national rankings of the best head coaches in college football, they're usually mm-hmm. kind of near each other. You can get into a debate about, like, well, who's better? Um, do you think they're going to kind of remain linked like that? I think there's a chance that – remember all those years when it was, like, Florida and Bama, when Urban Meyer was still there, and it was, like, Urban and, and Nick Saban? This is a – hyperbolic way of putting it, but I do think there's an element that Ryan Day and Lincoln Riley could all, both could be that for each other as quarterback coaches by trade who are getting every five-star in the world at quarterback and wide receiver, and now they're in the same conference. Yeah, I do think that's on the table, and the only nothing really separates them right now. Right now, they're both offensive geniuses whose defenses have been a little sketchy. So it's almost like which one can fix their defense faster and be more consistent with it is going to win out. One of the things that separate them is that only one of them has won a playoff game at this point. It is interesting yeah. as much as Ohio state, Michigan, we understand that right. And Clemson emerged as a nice little Ohio state rival here on the national scene. Nathan, I don't know that this is a sidelight. This is like a primary thing. The idea of an Ohio state USC rivalry in the big 10 that we see in the Big Ten championship game more than once, that we see when it's the preseason and everyone's making picks, oh, what's your pick for the Big Ten championship game? Ohio State, USC. Ryan Day, Lincoln Riley. I don't know that, how how would we have projected this? Hey, how are we going to get Lincoln Riley and Ryan Day in the same conference? A year ago, if you said, hey, wouldn't it be fun if they were coaching in the same conference? Like, what was Ryan Day going to be the head coach at Texas? Well, how are we going to do that? And now here we are. Nathan, is it we really could be ramping up to something here with these two guys and their similar styles and way of doing things that kind of, this could be pretty fun. It's going to feel a little bit like an NFL, like interconference rivalry a little bit, assuming they're not in the same, if they, whatever they do divisionally pod, whatever, uh, if, if they're just four, 16 teams that play each other once in a while, it's going to feel a little bit like, I don't know, like the like the Bills and the Chiefs. When you win your division, and then you have to play those teams, like all the division winners play each other the next year. Like it could feel a little bit like that, and I think that's fun because then that you really do start to get rivalries. They're they're you know they're usually like they change over time. It's kind of this snapshot of time, but that snapshot of time where we get five, six, how many years of Riley and and Day head to head. I think it would be like it. You know, it's one of the marquee games in college football, obviously, because it's going to get spun like that. It's going to get spun at, oh, this guy's got his stud quarterback, and this guy's got his stud quarterback, and they always go to the Heisman Trophy uh, 
they're always together at the Heisman Trophy yeah. ceremony with their respective quarterbacks, and they're going to be there again this year. Who's going to win this game? Uh, it's not going to have quite the same impact because it won't be for supremacy quite the same way that it would be if it would be two teams in the same division or at same conference right now because the playoffs going to change, as we already said. And yeah. both teams will probably just always make the playoff when they're any good at all. But it, it'll still have a lot of juice to it. And it's going to be the rematches. There's going to be rematches because it's going to be you played in the regular season and Ohio State won 41 to 37. But now they've got to go to the Rose Bowl and play this playoff semifinal for the right to go play Alabama or whatever. The thing is, we're already seeing it on the recruiting trail. Brandon Ennis would be a future Lincoln Riley player had he not left for Oklahoma because he was committed there before he went to USC. And then Dino Raiola. I mean, he's the number one player in the 2024 yep. class, and that literally came down to Lincoln Riley versus Ryan Day in day one. Yeah, I mean, it is um, – I mean, you, we could have Ohio State-USC three times in a season. Regular season, Big Ten championship game, yeah. playoff, semifinal, right? I mean, like, it could, be, it could get crazy here. And when you think about Ohio State's been in the Big Ten championship game five times – and it's been no six times. It's been three times against Wisconsin, twice against Northwestern, and once against Michigan State. Big Ten championship game, Ohio State and Ryan Day versus USC and Lincoln Riley live from Las Vegas. A little different, little different than Ohio State, Northwestern, and Indianapolis, right? I mean, this is why they're yeah. doing this. Yeah. So not because of Lincoln Riley and Ryan Day, but like that's a, Kevin Warren. If Kevin Warren, if you're listening, Kevin Warren just went, oh, Lincoln, that. Can we start? Can we get USC in next? Can we get them in tomorrow? Because that's the dream, right? So, and also, it's going to be definitely going to be in Vegas. They're going to play in Vegas at some point for the title. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Uh, Nathan, did you keep Ryan Day, Ohio State? I did. Yeah. Sorry. Boring. You know what would have been good? Swap Day and Harbaugh. You know what? I just. Uh... So, okay. <laughs> well, so, we thought about pulling Day just because it would have been. Listen, if we're going by real life scenarios, like, I don't know, Belichick's getting older. Patriots aren't doing that hot. Maybe they're on yeah. the verge of making a switch, and you could you could sell Ryan Day leaving, but I still think that's like one of the only scenarios that he would leave right now. I want Ryan, Ryan Day, Day to go like that. coach the Miami Dolphins or something, just because we keep putting him in the Patriots' office. No, I just gotta send guys home. Gotta send guys home. Plus, now he might want to go coach Bailey Zappi. Ryan Day's like, well, I wasn't gonna leave, but now yeah. that the Bailey Zappi era has started in New England. <laughs> sign me up. All right, Nathan Baird, Michigan. Did you keep Harbaugh or not? I didn't. This is where I did I'm, not. I did not. I have one coach remaining floating who I moved off of his other job and he needs somewhere to go. Do you remember who that was? Is it Tom Allen? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, he will, sorry. Tom Allen, know, will be coaching, Tom Allen will be coaching Michigan City High School <laughs> when he's on at Indiana. Uh, I said this is where I sent Pat Fitzgerald. It's not oh, okay. an NFL job, but it is a tier above Northwestern without question. And a place where, as we saw last year with Jim Harbaugh, like I, I know I, on this podcast before, talked about growing up and how Michigan just had a different brand. It was a different vibe than what it's had for many years now and there's no reason why it can't be back at that stature and last year was a glimpse of it i think someone like fitzgerald has the intangibles that they could go to a place like michigan have more ability to recruit 
in a much different way, less restrictions on the way they recruit. Michigan's still a great academic school, but it's got to be easier to recruit kids there than it is to Northwestern. And just a place where he could have maybe the best of both worlds, that you don't have to go maybe to the NFL insanity level, but you also can rise above Northwestern, stay in the Midwest, and still take your shot at like something historic. I like it. I like it. Steven, what'd you do at Michigan? I still can't believe Matt Campbell's not Michigan's head coach yet. <laughs> so in so my you, fantasy you world, he's gonna yeah, he's gonna be Michigan's head coach in my fantasy world. How okay. how good is Matt Campbell? Well, he might have missed his window. Yeah. yeah. I mean like I'm starting to think. And they that's when, all, when they when they had their him. peak, they didn't peak. They didn't peak. Yeah. Um so let me say this. I will say I kept Harbaugh at Michigan. And when I thought about the keeps, I guess Tucker's a pretty hard keep. I ended up keeping five guys in their spots. Ryan Day at Ohio State, Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, Mike Loxley at Maryland, and Greg Schiano at Rutgers. In like realistic terms, Harbaugh was a pretty quick keep for me. And I know he just tried to go to the NFL, but they didn't want him. And then he kind of said, sorry, guys. And Michigan said, like, don't do that again. And he said, I won't do it again. And they're good again. So I wonder, like, in real terms, when we look back, will this be this little thing? You know, once upon a time, the New York Jets tried to hire Joe Paterno, right? I mean, like, there's these moments where a guy feels like he might leave, and then he doesn't leave, and then he stays somewhere for another 10, 15, 20 years. Harbaugh kind of, Stephen, to now, I don't know. Am I silly to think that he feels a little bit locked in as so far? You know, again, he's handled this quarterback situation. He had to hire a new defensive coordinator. Like, it seems like they had that bump. But the football, they played nobody. I get it. But the football's sure. going pretty good. Is there is there in a real world is there a reason to think that Jim Harbaugh is going to be out the door? Does he feel more locked in now? Yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about them playing nobody. Apparently, Ohio State's played nobody either, so that is what it is. I would be 100 percent in line with you had he told the Vikings no, and not the other way around. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true, and 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 there still probably will be some other teams that remain interested in him. And again, like almost like the better job he does, maybe the more interesting yeah. he is to people. Because he was good um, up Nathan, there, you, so it's, you know. Yeah, what do you think, Nathan? Do you do, does, does Harbaugh feel like a again? If we had this conversation a year ago, it would been like, well, I mean, I mean, we all would have been immediately. We would have been like, get Harbaugh out of there right now. Do you think he has a chance to stick? I do. I do think he has a chance to stick. I think that for everything you just said, like I think that dalliance ended in enough of a embarrassing way for him, for lack of a better term, that why go down that road again, just to have it potentially end up like if, it, if, if anything like that were to get out that he was going for those jobs and it ends up the same way and, and making people play the waiting game. It, it caused enough disruption in that program. I mean, we were having discussions in the off season about whether they had completely ruined what momentum they had coming out of that whole great season that they had last year. I think he's probably done with that. I think he will be, I don't know if Michigan will be his last coaching job, but I think there will be finality at Michigan on his own, on this job's terms before he does something else. All right. So let's try to run through this. My handwriting is terrible. So I hope I can read my handwriting for our big 10 coaching roulette, Minnesota. I put Tony Alford there as an Ohio state guy. 
Nathan, Jake Dickert from Washington State as an outside guy. Steven, Jim Leonard from Wisconsin as a move. Iowa. I put Brett Bielema at Iowa as a move. Nathan put Jeff Brom at Iowa as a move. And Steven kept Kirk Ferentz at Iowa. Nebraska. I went Lance Leipold as an outside guy. Nathan went P.J. Fleck as a move. Steven went Kevin Wilson as an Ohio State guy. Illinois. I went Matt Rule as an outside guy. Nathan went Brett Bielema as a keep. Steven went Josh Gaddis as an outside guy. And interrupt me if I get any of this wrong. Northwestern. Steven and I both kept Pat Fitzgerald. Nathan went Josh Gaddis as an outside guy. Purdue. Who did I put at Purdue? Oh, I put um, Ryan Walters, the Illinois defensive coordinator, as an outside guy. Um, Brian Hartline as an Ohio State guy was Nathan's choice for Purdue. And then Jeff Lebby, the Oklahoma offensive coordinator, as an outside guy was Steven's choice for Purdue. Last West team, Wisconsin. Jim Leonard as a keep for Nathan. James Franklin as a Big Ten move for Steven and Mel Tucker as a Big Ten move, going back to his alma mater for me. Big Ten East, Maryland, we all kept Mike Loxley. Indiana, we all took Justin Fry as an Ohio State guy and put him there as the Indiana head coach. That's where he played college football. Rutgers, Steven and I kept Greg Schiano. And who's the guy? Uh, is it Holden Wiggins that you did as an outside guy, Nathan? Holman. Rutgers? Holman Wiggins. Holman Wiggins, outside guy for that. Uh, Ohio State, Nathan and I both kept Ryan Day. Steven decided to be have a little devil on his shoulder, and he put Lincoln Riley at Ohio State as an outside guy. Interesting. Uh, Michigan, I kept Jim Harbaugh. Nathan, in a move, put Pat Fitzgerald there. And Steven, as an outside hire, put Matt Campbell there. Penn State, uh, I put P.J. Fleck at Penn State as a Big Ten move. Um, Both Steven and Nathan put Luke Fickle there as an Ohio State-associated guy. And then finally, Michigan State, Nathan kept Mel Tucker in a move. Steven put P.J. Fleck there. And as an Ohio State guy, I put Brian Hartline there. Nathan, did that mean anything? Did that serve any purpose, or were we just did we just want to be weird for eighty minutes? I think it's always good for us to think about what we really think about all these programs and let give us some perspective on what we think of these programs as we push forward through Ohio State. So we have to play some of these teams. So it's 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 recalibrating our perspectives a little bit. Whether it had any value to the reader listeners, I have no idea. I do think Steve. In the it. end, I think we. We've kind of come around the about about half the teams are in pretty good shape. They probably have a guy who's the right guy and could be there for a while. And about you know, so if, if seven don't have that, well, two of them already have openings. And there's probably another five that maybe should be thinking about it, right? That it's just be on alert. You know, maybe there's some movement there. You can't get again stable versus stale. They didn't have any moves for two seasons, and now they've had two in a in a month, Stephen. So about half the league good, about half the league thinking. I think we found the weirdest way possible to tell people that and use an hour and a half of their time. But I think actually after going through this, I mean, Nebraska and Wisconsin already jumped. And then I think we consensus think Iowa clearly has to do something. And Indiana is probably going to be thinking about it soon. But everybody else, I don't know. I'd say those other 10, pretty stable. But it's just about it's just as much about like I remember when we did like the tiers of coaches pod. This is kind of a version of that because one we're talking about the state of some of these programs, but also 
whether we think some of these head coaches are good or not. And who else we yeah, think no, I, who isn't a head coach right now might be good. No, I think actually maybe, yeah, maybe I'm overstating it, Nathan. Yeah, maybe there's, there's two open, two that we really have questions about. And then some of them it's like, well, is James Franklin going to be there for 20 more years? I don't know. But they're they're certainly in, in okay shape. And, and, you know, Michigan State's having a funky year, but – you know, doesn't mean that Mel Tucker is not the right guy there. So, so again, maybe to say that half the teams in the league need to be thinking about stuff might be overstating it. You know, we're trying to get, I'm trying to have Brett Bielema coach like three different Big Ten schools at once. So, like, you know, Illinois is in a much better place than it was a couple of years ago. So, that's our uh, edition of Big Ten head coach roulette. When we come back to you again on Friday, me and Tyler Shoemaker will be looking at everything from a gambling perspective. And then the three of us will preview Ohio State versus Michigan State. That's a 4 o'clock kick in East Lansing, first road game of the year. The three of us will be there. And, of course, that means we'll have a post-game pod up sometime late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, and then the off week next week. Read Cleveland.com slash OSU, 614-350-3315 for the texts. Thanks to you guys for making Buckeye Talk part of your week. On behalf of Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug LaMaurice. And that was Buckeye Talk.